welcome back to the Next Big Thing podcast. I'm your host, Sam Ogborn. So maybe this is bad podcast etiquette, and I say that in quotes, I don't really know. But when I reach out to prospective podcast guests, I don't hear their voices and I don't know how they talk. I just invite them because they have products or services I think would be valuable for listeners to hear about. So I say that because today's podcast guests actually blew me away when I got them on the phone. When you listen to the podcast, you'll know what I'm talking about. Today's guests are Nellie and Jocelyn of Sun Chaser, and they've been able to accomplish so much in such a small amount of time, it really blows me away. So we talk about this in the podcast, but once you start to learn a little bit more about Sun Chaser, you are going to want to get your hands on this product. It is a carbonated beverage without alcohol that still gives you a buzz of alcohol. Yeah, not joking. Of course, it's no surprise that they're sold out right now, but that shouldn't prevent you from listening to the podcast. If you're interested in going into the CPG space or you want to learn more from these two co-founders that have created a mega team, then keep listening. I think you'll love the episode. And Nellie and Jocelyn will also tell you where and when you can get your hands on Sun Chaser. So go ahead, give it a listen, and I'll catch you on the flip side. So, hey, Jocelyn and Nellie, thank you so much for joining the Next Big Thing podcast. Hey, Sam, happy to be here. Yeah, likewise. Awesome. Well, let's get into the story about how you both met each other. Yeah, so Nellie and I met actually um, (laughs) our first week of being hired at Google um, here in the Bay Area in California. I think pretty early on, we recognized that each other um, was kind of um, two kindred spirits. Uh, Nellie's from the East Coast, and I'm originally from California. Um, But I remember even back to our first week of training, Nellie just came across as not only someone sharp and incredibly just smart and a go-getter, but also someone who quickly we were able to talk about some of the deeper Um, questions of life concerning meaning, concerning how we spend our time, concerning health in mind. Um, So I think we really quickly fostered a connection, but yeah, we met, we met at Google. (laughs) That's amazing. And when you met, were you like, this is my business partner. I have to work with this person. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, It's funny. I, I definitely came to Google on the hunt for a co-founder. So I had been kind of a entrepreneur for a while and (laughs) was ready to make the wanting a reality. And so I came to Google kind of on a hunt for a co-founder. And like Jossie said, we met the first week of Google. And to be honest, I didn't know that we'd go into business together at first. But um, funny story, we all got flown out to an offsite in Chicago, um, our entire, you know, sales team. And at that event, we had hundreds of Google salespeople there. So clearly these are like very bright, articulate, fabulous salespeople. And we had this negotiation that we all had to do where um, half of the group had to either sell their company and the other group had to buy uh, that company. And the goal for the sellers was to sell for the highest price. 
the goal for the buyers was to buy uh, at the lowest price, obviously. And so what was really awesome about kind of this experience was Jossie, out of all of the salespeople in Google, um, ended up selling her company for the most amount of money. And Jossie, I don't remember how much it was. I think it was somewhere in the range of like $4 billion or something crazy. And everybody <laughs> was so impressed. And I think from that moment on, I really had my eye on her as somebody who was just super sharp, really on it, but also, um, you know, brought so much light and energy to, to so many people. And so um, we ended up being on the same team together and, you know, we're kind of top of the pack in our, our sales team. And then it was like end of one quarter, I want to say it was the end of our second quarter at Google, where we both were like, okay, we both really care about entrepreneurship. We don't necessarily want to continue doing sales. Let's start getting really strategic about maybe partnering together. And we got really methodical and um, essentially said to one another, you know what, like, let's do this together. We, you know, this could be really something special. Love it. So how did Sunchaser then come into the picture? And then for those listening, could you just give a brief background as to what Sunchaser is? Yeah, so Sun Chaser, the idea in us going into business together to create Sun Chaser um, actually started with the desire to work together first. Um, so as Nellie was mentioning, we realized that we wanted to go into business together and we're both entrepreneurs. Um, so we actually sat down and we started thinking about essentially all the causes that we cared about where we might be able to create a meaningful product or have a meaningful impact. So a lot of these were around health, around diversity, around approachability, and really just helping people live the fullest lives. Um, so in all of the ideas that we kind of <laughs> brainstormed together, ultimately we landed on the idea of creating non-alcoholic drinks intended for social connection because it was a problem that each of us really understood the best. Out of everything we were considering, this was a problem that each of us had spent numerous years with throughout college and post-college life, going from the habits of drinking a lot of alcohol to wanting to drink less to drinking none at times and trying to find that balance. We really understood that we knew this was a problem. And from our friend groups, we knew this was something that other people were thinking about too, but there weren't any clear options on the market to this date. So that's what kind of brought us down the path of creating Sun Chaser. And Sun Chaser is an alcohol and caffeine-free drink intended to give you the buzz. So essentially, it's a functional alcohol replacement. This is a drink to be drank in social settings to foster social connections, to have you have something delicious and fun, and hopefully that gives you a safe buzz in these partying settings or happy hours or gatherings. And of course, you could drink this alone, but, but really the intention is to be there when you might typically turn to a beer or a glass of wine. And by replacing that beer or glass of wine or drink, you're going to promote your long-term health. You're going to wake up feeling refreshed, not hungover, not tired. And essentially, in, in these small moments that uh, add up to a large change, you're really going to change your lifestyle and change your life um, to be more meaningful, more prosperous. Um, as an example, like Nellie and I both have things that we're, that we're passionate about. We love to surf. Nellie loves to go on runs and do yoga. I love to kiteboard. All of these passions that we have can sometimes be put, um, put off if you're too tired, if you're hungover, if just your lifestyle isn't aligning for that way. So by replacing a few of your drinks or for some people, you know, completely eliminating alcohol, um, we're hoping to open people's eyes to what there is to gain. Um, and a little bit more about Sun Chaser as a product. 
Sun Chaser is um, all natural fruit juices combined with a class of um, essentially supplements called nootropics. Now nootropics are any supplement that affect your cognition. So in this sense, we're trying to affect the cognition for both a relaxed yet an engaged, socially engaged um, buzz, essentially to mimic the buzz you might get from a beer or a glass of wine. Um, and we serve it in a 12 ounce sleek can. It's carbonated, um, ready to go. And yeah, we worked on the packaging to be fun and inspiring and eye catching so that people have something they're really proud to share. Um, you know, they're not shamefully holding um, a glass of water at the party or a cup of juice. They're, it's something that they're proud of and that they want to share with others and that sparks curiosity in people around them. Wow, this is, this is so interesting. I think we can all relate, or maybe most of us can relate to having a crazy night in college where we've had way too much to drink and just couldn't function the next day. And it really sucks. So is this something that when both of you came together, you both agreed like there's a need in the marketplace for something like this? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would have to say, you know, back in my college years, and I don't want to speak for Jossie here, um, I was definitely at a lower level of consciousness when it comes to <laughs> drinking and like how to treat my body, right? Like I, you know, I went to a school with a huge Greek population and I mean, it was, drinking Wednesday, heavy binge drinking from Wednesday to Sunday and playing hard, working hard and waking up the next morning and working, like heading to the gym and like sweating off the alcohol. That's like how we kind of thought about it. And it was only after I graduated that my body literally could not handle that anymore. <laughs> where We were binge drinking every weekend and I literally couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go on walks even. And so I started realizing that I was becoming essentially incapacitated by my alcohol consumption. <laughs> That's essentially when I started, you know, to realize like maybe this isn't sustainable. And We've all been there, by the way. We've right, all been there. <laughs> right? Where it's like you think you can keep drinking the way you used to when you were 19, when we were all underage drinking, let's be honest, and our bodies somehow <laughs> could somehow, you know, process that alcohol and we could wake up the next morning. Um, by the time you're working, you know, nine to six and you're living in a big city and you've got responsibilities, it's just 10 times harder to keep that going. So moving to California was a really big change for me because, you know, the lifestyle here is so much different. It, it really is about movement and engaging in passions that you love and engaging with nature and being outside and being in the ocean and just all of these wonderful qualities that I just didn't have um, as much exposure to when I was living in the concrete jungle, jungle you know, in the middle of Brooklyn. So um, that also really changed my perspective. Um, and I don't want to speak for Jossie and would love to kind of hear from her, but, you know, that definitely was a huge motivator for me in understanding the problem. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say on my end, um, it is somewhat similar to Nellie. So I went to community college in Santa Barbara, and then I transferred to UC Berkeley. Um, and at both of those locations, specifically when I was living in Santa Barbara near the UCSB campus, um, there's a very large drinking culture down there. And, um, but also it's kind of a strained universe where being one of the top UCs, most of the students are partying Wednesday through Sunday and also going to study every single day until it's time to drink. Mm -hmm. um, so, so there's a strange culture um, of partying a lot, but also being go-getters. 
Um, and I was kind of even a level above that in my, <laughs> now as I look back in, in being so insane about it, um, I definitely engaged heavily in the drinking culture. And then I would set my alarm for five or 6 a.m. and go on a 10 mile run. Um, and that actually aging socially with alcohol is something I love to do. I still drink, um, but doing that, you know, 10% rather than 50% of the time. And then having that other 90% to feel healthy, to feel clear-minded, um, to feel like I could do all the things that I wanted to do in a day and not be hungover um, or forcing myself to study while honestly feeling below the line, while feeling sick, you know, tired, exhausted. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of my journey was just, was just um, pushing myself to do both and then quickly realizing that, that one was more important than the other. But <laughs> I feel like we can all relate to that. Let's dive into Sun Chaser's target market. I can only imagine college students would love a product like this. So would you say that college students are your primary target? That's such a good question. Um, so I want to be really, really candid here. Like we created Sun Chaser with the intention of serving anybody who is looking for a healthy and functional alternative to alcohol. So to be really, really candid, we are open to any and all consumers who are looking for this type of product, we created Sun Chaser with the younger demographic in mind. So yes, we're looking at millennials and Gen Zs who are part of this sea change of young consumers who are drinking less and less alcohol year over year, which has been corroborated by tons and tons of um, you know evidence and data from um, you know really really re reputable places that you know clearly we have the younger generation drinking less and less alcohol. So that's really kind of where we started our thought, you know, our thought process around Sun Chaser. But as we've, you know, been selling on the market and have been getting feedback from people who are actually purchasing, we're seeing a whole range of ages. Um, so our target customer really is anybody who's looking for a healthy and functional replacement to alcohol, right? So one that allows them, you know, some kind of positive social benefit that they're going to get from the drink, similar to what they would have looked for in, say, an alcohol alternative or an alcohol drink. Um, and then also people who are looking for, you know, the healthier version, right? So we're 60 calories. Um, you know, we use all natural fruit juices. There's no caffeine in our product. So you will not feel jittery after drinking it. You, you know, will have a very light come down after what is also a very light buzz and be able to get a really good night's sleep afterwards, which we think is really, really critical if, if you want to solve this problem well. Um, so that's really who our target customer is, right? It's the person who's looking for this option, which makes it a little fuzzier than, um, you know, a really specific age group or, you know, they have a certain, um, you know, lifestyle that they already have. This is really anybody who's looking for a healthier option. Got it. Yeah, I can only imagine there are a bunch of people out there who are looking for a healthier option just like this. I'd love to learn a little bit more since since both of you are co-founders, how you split up roles and responsibilities. Does one of you take on marketing responsibilities and the other sales? Like, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, so in the very beginning, um, you know, getting this just off the ground, everybody has to wear every single hat. So it's, it's really fortunate that Nellie and I realized we work incredibly well together. We're both very hard workers, very detailed people, very organized people. Um, so we actually just really divided the work and would conquer it together. Um, 
in every single sector of the business. Now, more recently, only in about the past month or two after being in business a year together, we decided to divide our roles to our special specialties. Um, now, some of these categories that we're each owning are novel to both of us. You know, we, we both went to college, but we don't have years experience in these certain um, you know, categories that, that we might be owning. So some of these are learnings for both of us, um, but overall we found that dividing our roles really allows for clarity, for individual responsibility, um, and for freeing up our calendars again and taking a little bit of ownership on how we design our individual work days. So Nelly owns the marketing, customer service, legal, um, side of things. And then I am taking on the fulfillment, operations, <laughs> product, and accounting side of things. Um, and the areas where we overlap, you know, are high-level strate strategic decision-making, um, you know, thinking about feedback and naturally Nelly's marketing channels and customer support receives a lot of feedback. And my, mar my um, product bucket needs that feedback. So there are a lot of areas where everything is connected um, and we always have kind of a watchful eye and report back to each other on what we're what we're working on and, and how these individual buckets are going but that's really how we've divided it and and I just have to say personally Nellie Nellie has found an and maybe unexpected but just a completely whirlwind strength in marketing in design thinking in in really showcasing us to the world. Um, she oh she won't be away with that. So. <laughs> so sweet, I love it. Yeah, your packaging looks so great. Just as a sidebar, how did you guys come up with the design? Because I love it and I'm sure anyone else that sees it is gonna fall in love with the branding. Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. I have to say, um, just touching off of what Jossie said, you know, in the very beginning, because we were in every bucket together, um, the packaging decisions were like, Jossie and I labored over the <laughs> over that decision for months and months, just like, how can we make sure that um, the, the physical product represents the emotional spirit that we want to convey, the intention we want to set when you, you know, grab a sun chaser for the first time or you crack a can open with a group of friends at a picnic or at a pregame or if you're camping, right? So for us, um, it was actually funny. We, we first started off, uh, <laughs> we created a design brief that was really, really, really extensive. Like Jossie and I, like, like Jossie said, we were both very organized, hardworking people. And we also care a lot about the details. So we got like a 10 page design brief together for <laughs> a designer that we didn't even know yet. This is just like, okay, this is going to be our design brief. And it was all centered around um, the spirit of Sun Chaser, right? So like, what is the energy we want to provide here? What is the feeling we want to communicate? Ultimately, we view brands as simply a relationship with the customer, right? Our brand is all of the little pieces that um, when combined are all of the, you know, the touch points you're having with Sun Chaser, the feeling that you're getting, the energy we're conveying, the communication that we're having, whether or not we're providing the right level of customer service, all of those things kind of tie into our brand. And so in our design brief, it was really about that. It was like, how can we have an active conversation with the customer from the packaging, right? And so that kind of was a light one off in our heads, like, okay, what what spirit is you know what spirit is something that excites us and for us we really kind of tuned into 70s california vibes it was all mm -hmm. about you know if you know anything about 
California in the 1970s, this is all when the green movement is starting, right? We're starting to focus on a return to nature and kind of honoring um, this wonderful country that we have and all of the beautiful natural elements that, that make that country. And so for us, that's essentially, you know, where our name comes from too, right? It's about chasing the sun. It's about turning toward the things that bring you light and joy. And we wanted our, our packaging to reflect that. And so because we were so detailed, we found an amazing designer who was able to really convey that through packaging. Um, so I guess one tip for anybody who's listening in terms of just wanting to nail your packaging, just nail your brand, like nail what you're trying to communicate to the customer. Like, how do you want to make them feel? And then from there, you can find an amazing designer who can communicate that into physical packaging. Such a good point. And there's so many people when they create these briefs that they want to detail every little design element. And that's really not your job. You have to really leave that to the designer to really create the brand of your dreams. Yes. Absolutely. And Joppy and I, I think we had a phrase that we would constantly put in our brief, like, this is our vision, this is our intention, but this is all up to your creative direction in terms yeah. of how to execute it. And, and that Sorry. was really, yeah. Yeah, that's the way you got to do it. I do want to pivot the conversation a bit. Nootropics is a hot topic right now, and there are a few competitors in the space. How did the two of you really see yourselves differentiating Sun Chaser in this space? And also, what kind of marketing tactics do you plan on employing to help differentiate Sun Chaser? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the first things that we're doing differently, um, especially from the few entrants that are going into this, you know, nootropic alcohol replacement space, is that at least our current formula is caffeine free. Um, now that's not to say if you know all of consumer feedback is that we want some type of caffeine buzz that we would make that version but right now we're caffeine free and the reason being is that caffeine is kind of a quick um, shortcut to a buzz but it's not a true buzz and it doesn't actually allow for the feelings of relaxation and kind of um, relaxed engagement that you might get from a beer or a glass of wine it's obviously like coffee um, so that's one quick differentiation and we do market that um, because what we found is that people care about that. Um, everybody who has asked us about our formula and then they go, oh, are you caffeine free? And we actually say no. And that immediately brings a surprise and um, kind of a, an added interest in how the buzz might be different. Um, so that's one difference. Um, I would say another one is that we're really trying to make Sun Chaser approachable. You know, as Nellie was saying with our target audience, there are so many people that face this problem that are looking for another option that we really wanted the brand to be approachable to everyone. We didn't want to pigeonhole in high luxury or, you know, um, or like to, um, to <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word, um, the opposite of luxury, essentially like too casual. Like we just wanted to be in a fun place that was good for most people. Um, you know, obviously our brand is kind of bright colors, fun, a little bit youthful, but we still found that it resonates with most people. So um, that's another thing that sets us apart is just us trying to be open to most people, not pigeonholing ourselves in, we're only gonna be outdoor focused or we're only gonna be high lux, you know, high end bar focused. Um, really this is for everyone and anyone. Um, Nelly, do you have any distinct differences you're thinking of? Yeah, I think those are really awesome. And and one thing to add onto that too is like, um, we want to make sure that we're accessible to people, but we also 
you know, and this is something that I think is really different than what most brands will market. We also are marketing moderation, which is kind of like, I don't want to say it's taboo, but it's something that most people don't want to think about, right? Like most people want to just like drink as much as they want to drink of whatever they're drinking without any consequences. For us, that's not the purpose. And so from our price point to the directions we give our consumers, like we don't want you to overconsume Sun Chaser because then that defeats the purpose of you feeling good always, which really is our, our motto and we take to heart. We want to make sure that you feel your best when you're drinking Sun Chaser. We want to make sure that you're honoring your body in the process and overconsuming our product won't do that for you. And so that's kind of a, a, an interesting one that I'm excited to see how it plays out in the marketplace. We've only been live in the market since February with um, a number of, of hiccups that have kind of slowed down our ability to market at full speed. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see how that resonates with consumers and you know how that positioning um, may be educational. I think some of the most inspiring brands are the ones that actually recommend you don't overconsume their products. Patagonia is a fabulous example of a company that does that. And I think it's really important in the beverage space, food and beverage, that we make that really clear. It shouldn't be about eating a million brownies or Twinkies or drinking, you know, 10 hard seltzers. It should be about drinking enough to feel what you want to feel or taste what you want to taste and then honor your body in the process. So well said. It's also interesting, too, with COVID, I've read some studies that say that people are turning to alcohol more during this time. So Sun Chaser could actually be an interesting alternative for them, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing that I've kind of been thinking about a lot during this time is kind of trying to get to the root of why. Like, why are we turning to more alcoholic drinks right now? Like, what exactly do we need from alcohol in this moment of pandemic, of shelter in place, of quarantine, that is that we're almost using it medicinally, right? And I think part of it is relief. We want relief from stress and anxiety. We want the ability to, to wind down and, and connect with the people around us, even if that's on Zoom, right? How many Zoom happy hours have we all been kind of invited to? So, you know, I think it's really, really important, again, that, you know, when you think about the non-alcoholic space, we do still need to provide customers with a functional benefit, because clearly, as alcohol sales are showing right now, consumers want that. It's just that I would, I would argue, and my thesis, our thesis with Sun Chaser is the vast majority of consumers don't want to suffer the consequences of that, that social and functional benefit. Yeah, exactly. Like no one wants to be hung over. <laughs> On the note of COVID, would love to understand a little bit more about how Sun Chaser has evolved during this time. Yeah. So um, one thing when approaching hiccups is that um, they are extremely, extremely difficult when you're just getting yourself off the ground. Um, and I can't even imagine being a single founder. I think one of the things that's made this journey twice as fun and even easier in the hard moments is having a team, being with Nelly, you know, having that co-founder that's there with you, that's keeping you accountable, that's, you know, that you're sometimes comforting and that's comforting you when you you're feeling down. Um, so throughout our hiccups, the cool thing is that they've made us stronger each and every time. So we just have to keep reminding ourselves that. And also that they're always going to come in business. You know, business, it's, um, it's, a, it's a art <laughs> and a science. So these hiccups are going to come and you're trying to be as precise and as high quality. Um, you know, we've had a few in the beginning. Most recently, the one that was, you know, most heartbreaking to Nelly and I was that, um, 
the first thing was as COVID hit, you know, our production order was delayed. So our pre-order customers had an extended waiting time. Um, that was a really big heartbreaking hiccup. Um, and then again, actually, because of the rioting in LA, um, our production facility was not in a safe environment to produce and they actually ended up switching to a new location. Um, so the first hiccup was kind of just an extended waiting period for our customers. Um, and then the second one was that when we got our production order, um, we were made aware of an issue with the can integrity for shipping the product direct to consumer. So essentially the cans were not acting in the strength that they should have been provided in. Um, so, you know, dents were happening to the cans. Some cans were breaking, um, you know, as a business owner and someone like me and Nelly as a team, we wanted to provide at the end of the day, the highest quality product that made people smile, you know, that made people um, like feel better, that made, brought them joy, that allowed them to use this for what it was intended for, to connect with others and to improve their health and just, you know, live a good life to feel good always. So under delivering on that um, was, was probably the lowest point in our journey so far. It was really, really hard for us. Um, and the way that we got through that was first just deciding to honor our customer, realizing that every single customer thus far who placed a pre-order is our most important customer. And they always will be every single customer on forward. Um, at the end of the day, it's all about them. This is who we're doing it for and they are who we want to honor. So being really clear and transparent with them, acting with authenticity, you know, using our voices to communicate, maybe sometimes over communicate and finding that in return, people honestly approached us with open hearts, with gratefulness and with support. Like even in our lowest times, it's been the emails back from our customers that telling us to keep going, telling us that it's okay, telling us that this is a product they want and that they're excited for, even with these can integrity issues, that's really been keeping us going. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Nelly, anything beautifully to add there? Said. Beautifully said, I'm like tearing up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think one, one more thing I would add too, um, and I wouldn't say this is necessarily um, you know female founder focused, this really is for all founders, but I think women in particular should take this to heart. Like you are allowed to feel your emotions in business. Don't ever feel that you can't do that because if you don't, it's very, very hard to communicate with authenticity. Authenticity comes from a place of true feeling. And so like, let's be real. This has been an extremely hard time for Jossie and I to kind of manage. Emotionally, it has required a lot of strength and resilience, but also required the courage to feel our feelings and to communicate that with our customers. Um, and I think that one gets you much more goodwill because you're speaking from a place of honesty, but also it means that you're leaving everything on the table and you're not hiding anything. I think one thing you know business owners today should really think of is consumers are skeptical of most businesses right because we you know how many of us have had a terrible experience with some flashy new brand that hasn't delivered on the promise that you know we thought we were going to get and so it's it's always this like pull and push of trying to get your money back or figure out what happened and so for us like by feeling our feelings and being really honest about it you know our customers understand that and they see that like the in integrity that we're operating from Okay, I love everything that you just shared. And I want to take like little bite-sized pieces and share it on social because that was so good. I also feel like everyone that's listening to the podcast right now can probably relate to some brands who have just had horrible communication skills during COVID. 
I've probably experienced three to four. It's obnoxious. So props to you guys for taking care of your customers the right way. Moving on to Sun Chaser's industry. This is a two-part question. So part one, where does Sun Chaser fall in terms of the type of industry it's a part of? And then the second question is the industry that Sun Chaser is a part of, how do you see that evolving? Absolutely. I love this question. Um, in one sentence, I would say Sun Chaser is the alcohol-free drink that is designed to give you the buzz you want. It is the buzz that is not going to hurt your body. It will loosen your mind in the way that you're looking for and allow you to connect with the people around you. So that means Sun Chaser is not a, necessarily a nootropic beverage. Sun Chaser is an alcohol replacement. It's a functional alcohol replacement. And I think when you think about the industry as a whole, um, you know, I read a really fantastic article about this today. You know, look at parallels with the plant-based industry, right? Look at Beyond Meat, um, look at Impossible Foods, look at how that industry has really focused on the change in consumer behavior around eating meat. That is all part of a larger wellness trend that alcohol candidly has not really focused on yet, right? Alcohol for too long has still been about partying. It's been about, okay, lower calories, but we're still using some sketchy malt liquor. We know many hard seltzers do that. Um, that's really what the alcohol industry has been. It hasn't been, wait a minute, should we just rethink the entire idea of putting a toxin in our body, damaging our livers, our brains, and our hearts just so we can get a little buzz? Like maybe we should question that whole paradigm. And so what's really exciting about this industry is that even though we're at the very, very beginning of it, we will see a massive rise in, you know, consumer acceptance of non-alcoholic drinks but also a change in how we think about what we're looking for out of our drinks. Are we looking for, you know, the benefit with the consequences or are we willing to be brave enough and say, listen, I don't want to feel shit tomorrow. I want to feel amazing and feel good now with my friends and with this buzz that I'm enjoying. And so um, I think what's going to be really fascinating to watch is how the non-alcoholic industry parallels the plant-based meat industry in terms of growth consumer acceptance, clearly investment in the resources necessary to grow, but also um, kind of the rise in consumer demand around it. I know, Josh, do you have anything to add there? No, dude, I think that was beautifully well done. Yeah, and it's so interesting because you you think about someone walking into a store, and I know that Sun Chaser is e-com focused right now, but you think about someone walking into a store, it'll be interesting to see how this industry evolves and where someone would go in the grocery store to shop for something like this. Yeah, I think one more thing to add there. Um, early, early on in our Sun Chaser journey, um, I kind of had a, a crazy epiphany where I realized like our kids and our kids' kids are going to be drinking much different drinks than the drinks we're drinking now in order to connect with their friends. Like period. They are not going to accept feeling terrible to feel good right now the way our kind of entire economy, our way of looking at the world and our bodies, the way that's all moving is toward a higher level of consciousness around how we treat our bodies. And so I think give it 10 years, give it 20 years, give it 50 years. Um, I think it's going to be a, a vast, a vastly different array of products we're going to be seeing on alcohol shelves uh, in, in supermarkets at liquor stores and beyond. I could not agree more. So what's next for Sun Chaser and what's on the horizon for the brand? <laughs> yeah, this is a fun question. So I think really for the next few months, our goal is to just get, you know, Sun Chaser in the original quality form that we intended 
to as many people as are able and, and want to try it. So really it's just getting SunTracer in the hands of folks, having them experience the buzz, having them share us their feedback, you know, really nailing the first product. Um, from there, we have a huge vision of where SunTracer is gonna go, which include, includes, you know, different product lines, different, different avenues of purchase, not only direct to consumer, but retail. You know, we want this available at festivals. Festivals, offices, all these places where we typically engage with other people, where typically alcohol was an option, but, but we want something healthier that's fun to engage with, that's going to leave us better off. Um, so all these areas are, we want to see Sun Chaser there, and we think that there already is the demand for an option like Sun Chaser there. There's just no product that really suits that need that's available. So it's really just going to be ramping up production, you know, getting Sun Chaser in the hands of folks, getting that feedback. Um, really, in terms of our vision, sky is the limit. We would love for this to be a global product, and that is in our, you know, 10, 10 year plan, say, maybe even less. Um, but really, it's just give people and deliver on this option and, and hopefully help shape culture a little bit and at least shape the way that we engage with one another to be a little bit more mindful of our bodies, of ourselves, and of how we treat each other and how we treat the world. So, you know, if, if we didn't believe in that spark that Sun Chaser had this spark of potential, um, yeah, we, we, we didn't realize that this was, it, when we set out to start this business, it's kind of funny because we knew it was gonna be important, but as we've grown it over the past year, our, our perception of how important this is to people and to the world has actually only grown. So we're realizing that rather than just being, you know, our first business, this might be our life's career. Um, so we'll see where it goes. <laughs> I love it. It's like something that could have been a first timer project that now is going to be a lifelong project for both of you. It's amazing. And to think where you're at in your career, like, we bow down to you. This is unbelievable. I'm so impressed by the amount of grit you have and also what you've been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. It is amazing. Before we sign off, what advice do you have for budding entrepreneurs or people that are looking to be in your shoes someday? What advice would you give them? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say on my side of things, this is the advice I needed to hear candidly uh, when I started off in the wanting stage of being an entrepreneur. There, there are two stages of, of entrepreneurship, right? There's the wanting of it. There's the coveting, the craving, the hoping, the wishing, the planning, and then there's the doing of it. And the doing is where you actually become an entrepreneur. You're not an entrepreneur where you're wanting. And I know at least in college and definitely early on in my career, I was in the wanting stage, which um, you know is difficult. What I would say in order to really, really thrive um, in this space, focus on service, focus on your customer, focus on what you're providing, turn the focus away from yourself, turn the focus away from what you're going to get and who you're going to be and the accolades you're going to get. Focus on the core of what it means to be an entrepreneur and it's to provide value to the customer. If you can do that and you can make that your North Star, you'll go far. I, and that's something that Jossie and I are I mean, it's a mantra essentially for us. It's what's been keeping us going. Because essentially, if you think about it, if, you, if your whole entrepreneurial journey is about what I'm going to get, me, 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 how I'm going to feel good or how I'm going to make money or how I'm going to, you know, the list goes on, 
when hard times come, it's going to be that much harder not to quit, right? Because what's motivating you is ego, candidly. And you've got to find a way to make your motivation service. And if you can do that, it'll make, it'll just give you the strength and resilience and grit you need to actually um, pursue this journey in a way that's meaningful. Yeah. And I think I would just add for that, you know, I probably have three kind of buckets. The first is if you really want to start a business, at least double check if you can find a co-founder. I think that's really important in the beginning. And it's not to say that there aren't amazing, strong single founders out there. You know, one of one of my roommates is one of them um, and it's a male and he's single-handedly working on growing his own business. And there's many out there, but I just think having a co-founder like Nelly, who, you know, I almost feel like fate fate stumbled us together in finding such a great match, but that can make the journey, as I said, just more exciting, more doable, and you're able to cover more ground. You know, that's, that's another reason that we were probably able to move as fast, um, as well as just being incredibly aligned on our goals here. So that's the first bucket is double check if you can or are willing to find a co-founder. Um, the second is get comfortable doing things you don't want to do especially if you're coming from a full-time job where your role is very defined. When you start your business, you're going to have to do everything. And you're going to have to do things like legal or like accounting or like filing your business taxes that frankly might be some of your least favorite things to do in the entire world. But while doing those things you don't want to do, just remember that if you scale, if you can scale and get past this hard point, you will be able to bring on a team member where that's their passion. And so everybody gets to do what they love. Um, but in the beginning, you know, you have to wear all those hats. So just be a little bit comfortable with the uncomfortability of doing that. Um, and then the third, I think is, yeah, just like Nelly said, find your North Star, do it for service, have that really deep burning meaning in your chest that's, that's helping you on the really low points. And that makes the high points that much more exciting because you see where you're getting. Um, it's definitely a roller coaster, but it's it's the funnest and craziest roller coaster ever. So, uh, yeah, amen to that for sure. So, lastly, I know Sun Chaser is sold out online. I don't think anyone who's listening would be surprised. But where can people find your product right now? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us on our website, uh, drinksunchaser.com. Currently, and this is July, um, June, July 2020, we're out of stock. Um, we're, we'll be back in stock um, at the end of the summer. So anybody who's listening, I would say join our mailing list and you'll find out um, when we'll be back. We're also super active on Instagram, so you can follow us there as well. Okay, and just so everyone knows, what's your Instagram handle? Yes, it is at drinksunchaser. All right, Nellie and Jocelyn, thanks so much for an all-star podcast interview. I'll make sure to leave the details in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. This has been fun. Absolutely. Thanks, Sam. Okay, so I'm kind of freaking out because how amazing was that podcast with Nellie and Jocelyn? They are superstars. Like, I want to be them when I grow up. Thank you, Nellie and Jocelyn, for coming on the podcast. For listeners, if you loved something, please share it on Instagram and tag us. We're on Instagram as the next big thing pod uh, and tag us. We'd love to engage with you, talk to you about what you liked, and then also tag Nellie and Jocelyn at Drink Sun Chaser on Instagram. 
So as mentioned in the podcast, Sun Chaser is sold out, but if you join their mailing list, you'll be notified when product is back in stock. So I'll also include a link to the mailing list and their website so that you can go join and be the first to know when product is back. Also for listeners, you know my plug, you know the deal. If you have suggestions for this podcast, whether it's sound quality, whether it's how we're engaging with our guests, or maybe it's you have a suggestion for someone to come on the podcast, we would love to know. So please slide into our DMs at the next big thing pod and we will chat with you there. Thanks again so much for listening. We are so happy that you're here and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.